Introductions are not easy, and they become increasingly difficult as the prominence of the person and the size of the audience increases. Think of the stress you would feel if you were asked to introduce the CEO of your company at an all-industry event, or introducing the all-time favorite sports hero at their Hall of Fame induction, or the president of your country at the United Nations. But the most difficult and most important introduction ever made was, and is, the introduction of Jesus Christ to the world. The importance of properly introducing creation to its creator, humanity to their savior, cannot be overstated. If you would like to learn how Jesus was first introduced and how you should introduce your savior to others, join Kent Edwards, Vicki Hitzkiss, and Nathan Norman as they begin a new series of discussions in the Gospel of Mark. Welcome to Crosstalk, a Christian podcast whose goal is for us to encourage each other to not only increase our knowledge of the Bible, but to take the next step beyond information into transformation. Our goal is to bring the Bible to life into all of our lives. I'm Brian French. Today, Dr. Kent Edwards, Vicki Hitzkiss, and Nathan Norman begin a brand new discussion in the Gospel of Mark. And if you have a Bible handy, turn to Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, as we join their discussion. Brian is right. Giving a good introduction of someone to a crowd is it's difficult. Vicki, Nathan, you speak all over the place. Can you remember a time when you've heard a particularly good or particularly bad introduction of a speaker? <laughs> I can remember a really bad one from our denomination. One of our denomination heads was introduced, and he has a couple of adopted kids and then a couple of biological kids, but the speaker said that he adopted all of his kids. <laughs> and his kids are in the audience, and they're having like a personal crisis, like, oh, I was adopted too? I didn't realize this. Why didn't you tell me what was going on? And, and the speaker had to get up, and he had to, uh, as his kids are having an identity crisis, immediately uh, talk about his own introduction, say, no, 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 you know, two of the kids are adopted, two are natural born. <laughs> oh, wow. It's pretty bad. Oh, that would be, that would be awkward. Oh, that's terrible. I've been introduced before, and the introducer said, you know, I've never met our speaker. I'll let her introduce herself. Oh. <laughs> and just walked off, and there I was. <laughs> well, I didn't intend to toot my own horn, but I guess I'm forced to now. Yeah. <laughs> well... If you are ever in the place of having to introduce someone and you want to do it well, um, how do you do that? I did some scouring on the internet and um, a lot of people had different suggestions, but here were some of the, the ones that kept rising to the surface. First, state the name of the speaker. Second, announce the topic that is going to be discussed. Thirdly, remind the audience why the topic is important to them. Establish the speaker's qualifications. And finally, number five, establish an upbeat tone. So, I mean, those sound pretty good, don't they? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what's interesting is to lay that grid, those five elements of a good introduction, against the introduction of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. After all, 
Mark was the first gospel written. So this is really the first literary introduction of Jesus to the world. So um, how did that uh, begin? Well, first we read, state the name of the speaker. Well, does uh, Mark do that in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, Vicki? Yes, he does. He says in verse 1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Hmm. Immediately, Mark begins by establishing Jesus' identity, who he is. And I think this is critically important. That's because the ancient world was awash with religions. Every nation had their own god or gods, uh, just like today. I mean, if you think about the world religions today, in, um, in India and environs, Hinduism is common. They have over 330 million gods. Oh, my. Wow. <laughs> there is um, Buddhism is uh, all over Vietnam and many of the Eastern countries and Islam, of course, is, is rising. And all of them speak of gods that they follow. So what sets Jesus apart? That's an important question to ask today, even in North America, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, probably the main thing is he is the one true God, one true true God, the Son of God. Yeah. And he's actually God. Actually God. And that sets Christianity apart because there is no other leader of a world religion that ever claimed to be God. I mean, they said they could mm. point the way to God, but no one else ever said they were God. And that makes Christianity unique. All religions are not the same. Our faith, the Christian faith, is based on the God who came to earth. We not only have his own testimony, but that um, was seconded in verse 9 and following. It says, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Why is God the Father's endorsement so important? Because <laughs> it's God? <laughs> I don't know how else to respond to that. The creator, the maker of all things. That's a pretty good endorsement. <laughs> right. Oh, look, you get the king, get the emperor to endorse you. How about God? Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's not just a self-endorsement but it is also the endorsement of the Father himself. Right. Which means that when someone who is very important gets introduced to us, the higher the rank, the more we pay attention to them, right? The right. more credence we give to what they're saying. But when God comes and begins to speak, no one commands more attention. No one deserves to be listened to and taken seriously than God. And we are introduced to Jesus, welcome, to God. So the name of the speaker, whoo, that captures our attention. What about the topic that's being discussed? What do we read in um, verse four, Vicki? It says, and so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Hmm. So he did baptism, but it was for the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus has come into the world 
And the topic that is going to be addressed more than anything else in his ministry is the forgiveness of sins. Hmm. Well, the third thing we were told in a good introduction is that we should remind the audience why the topic is important to them. So, is the topic of forgiveness of sins of any interest to people today? Yeah, absolutely. Of course it is. There are so many people living with shame and guilt and uh, enslaved to their own sin. To have forgiveness offered is incredible. I mean, look at the culture we live in right now in, in North America, the cancel culture. If you say the wrong thing or do the mm -hmm. wrong thing or tweet the wrong thing 10 years ago when you're an 18-year-old idiot, <laughs> you lose your job. Right? right, you're you're canceled. You lose your platform, and you lose uh, you you lose credence with anyone, and and the possibility of getting hired again. Yeah, and I don't know anyone who hasn't had some regrets about the decisions that they've made in the past. I uh, think, yeah, exclusively, I have exclusive regrets about the decisions I've made <laughs> in my past. <laughs> <laughs> and for many of us, there are chapters in our lives we wish we could um, rip out of the book of our uh, of our biography. There are times when a do-over would have been nice. And Jesus says that he's coming to deal with forgiveness. He can erase those pages and make us as white as snow. Does that sound interesting to anybody? Especially, I would think, if you'd never, ever heard about that before. Yeah. yeah. And this is an introduction, right? Yes. So here is Jesus being introduced, an unknown person, to a new audience. And uh, yes, he's the son of God, and he's coming to talk about salvation. And this is important to you because there's always things in our life that we would like to change, alter, or remove. Certainly, it was an attractive message in John the Baptist day uh, because uh, Mark tells us that. In verse 4 and 5, look at what he says. Nathan? And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Yeah. Wow, what a sight that must have been. Hmm. Can you imagine all those people coming out, dealing seriously um, with their sin, and um, because the Messiah was coming? Speaking of Messiah... The fourth thing that uh, we mentioned in terms of introducing a person, after you've stated their name and announced the topic and showed why it's important, establish the speaker's qualifications to address that topic. Well, being the son of God is pretty good qualification <laughs> to begin with. But uh, um, Mark yeah, goes out of his way to uh, point out something in addition to that. How does the whole gospel begin? If we start at the beginning, down to verse 4, how does Mark introduce Jesus? Well, he says, as we said, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then he goes back to the Old Testament. He says, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, and then he quotes it, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Hmm. So Mark here is also stressing the fact that the coming of Christ was prophesied in the Old Testament. Is that significant? 
Yeah, because it didn't just happen. It wasn't just a, a spontaneous moment where some guy just said, eh, I think I'm going to start this ministry today, right? <laughs> uh, this was planned, this was prepared for, uh, and this was the time for it to happen. In fact, scholars tell us that there are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that predict the coming of Christ in amazing detail. I mean, the details, specific details of Jesus' birth, his ministry, his betrayal, his death, his resurrection, hundreds, hundreds and thousands of years before he ever arrived, this is predicted. And Jesus of Nazareth fulfilled all of these prophecies. I mean, there's, there can be no doubt. He is God's long-promised solution to our problem, right? Yeah. From beginning to end, this is the, God's testimony about Jesus Christ. He is God who has come to address our sin problem that everyone faces and is God's planned solution to our problem. Hmm. But then people who give good introductions tell us that if you're introducing someone, you should end on an upbeat tone. Well, that's pretty good advice. Wouldn't you agree, Vicki? If you're a guest speaker, wouldn't you like someone to end with an upbeat tone after they've introduced you? You don't want somebody going, this won't last long. Hang with us. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh just 20 minutes, I promise. And we'll get rid of the speaker. That's not a good Hopefully idea. only 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good advice for almost any time that you are introducing someone. But what I find fascinating here is that's not what happens in the Gospel of Mark. No. Here, John the Baptist's introduction differs from the norm, because in verse 4, we read he came preaching what? A baptism of repentance. Huh. So, Vicki, we've talked about this in the past. What's repentance? Going in one direction and turning around sinning and deciding that is not the way I want to go anymore and turning away from your sins. Yeah. So this is a call for moral transformation, right? Right. So John the Baptist was not being upbeat and positive, but blunt and brutally honest. He's calling to the people and he's saying, God is holy. The son of God is holy and you are not. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough message to bring to anyone. But John the Baptist's mission was not to tell people how the coming Messiah could make their lives better. He didn't come as a salesman, telling them what they wanted to hear. Instead, he's more like a good doctor. He came and gave an honest diagnosis of their spiritual condition. You're saying to them, look, people, you are sinners. And the wages of sin is death. Now that's a tough, that's a tough message, isn't it? Yeah. No one wants to hear what they're doing wrong. No one's being told that their life was heading in the wrong direction. And I think that that didn't make John the Baptist popular among the religious establishment of the day. How do we know that? How do we know that the Jewish religious officials were not particularly pleased with John the Baptist's ministry? 
Well, he had the worst location for ministry possible. Uh, <laughs> Where was that? Uh, in the wilderness, in the desert region. Uh, I, I can relate to that. Uh, we're, my, my church, I serve in uh, northern Michigan and uh, five miles out of, outside of the wilderness. And uh, we are, uh, we're actually on voice road. So we, we hear a voice crying out in the wilderness. Um, it really is. It's hard. It's hard to have a platform when you're in the middle of nowhere. He, he, was, he was an odd duck anyway. I mean, he, he wore funky clothes. And when I was a kid, we used to have missionaries come back and they always dressed odd. And I, I don't remember hearing people talk about it, but as a kid, I'd think, wow, that guy, he needs a different haircut. He needs different clothes. And <laughs> it wasn't like I came from a family that was styling anyway, you know, but I mean, they really, but not like John the Baptist. I mean, he wore camel's hair clothes and i'm not talking a beautiful camel's hair coat i'm talking funky weird like hissing spitting camel's hair uh, leather belt and he ate locusts and wild honey mm. <laughs> the honey for, was to cover the locust flavor i'm sure <laughs> and that's always um, made him stand out as i read this passage too but i began thinking do you think he did that because he wanted to or because there was no alternative. Yeah, maybe maybe you're right. I never even thought about that. Mm. I mean, I don't think he was funded by anyone. I don't think the uh, Jewish rabbis took up an offering and said, let's go support John the Baptist ministry. I you think he had that. to do it in spite of that. And you know what? I don't think they invited him to come into their churches, into their synagogues to preach because they wanted to hear about this Messiah. They no. wouldn't give him a platform. They wouldn't give him respect. I think... My hunch is, as I read this text, that he wasn't there because he thought that was a fun way to dress or he couldn't wait to snap and munch into a new locust. My hunch yeah. is, is that he was excluded from the religious establishment. Huh. And think about this. Why would they have wanted to ostracize John the Baptist? When he comes preaching repentance, get ready for the Messiah. You can't meet a holy God without being holy. Why would they want to exclude him? Well, there's a few reasons. One is power, right? Like they, mm -hmm. if the Messiah is coming, your, your power is over. You're not going to have okay. that uh, control of people anymore. Mm -hmm. But not only that, I mean, you're, he's telling the people what they, they need to hear. And that's not always popular. That's not, that's not the way to hold on to your power base. But also, isn't it a repudiation of the Jewish faith? Oh, their I mean, version of it, yeah. Right. So these are people who were attending the synagogue, who were doing what their religious authorities thought they should be doing. And John the Baptist comes and says, that's not good enough. That is not have, making you ready for the Messiah. You need to repent from the lifestyle that's been acceptable in the past because the Messiah is coming. Ooh, now that's challenging. So in essence, what your version of Judaism has been at odds with God's long prophesied desire for his people, and the Messiah is coming to correct it. That's a tough message. But I think, I think that's the mark of a true evangelist, of someone who is introducing people to Christ. A true evangelist tells people, what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Yes, we tell them who Jesus is, why he came and why the world needs to listen to him. 
but we also need application. We need to call people to repent from the sins that they want forgiven. A holy God requires holiness in his people. And this call, this call for repentance, it's often neglected, at least in my observation, even in the evangelical church today. Oh, it's often neglected personally. And I think um, it's often neglected corporately. This lack of repentance is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer spoke about in his outstanding book, The Cost of Discipleship. Nathan, do you want to read us an excerpt from his first chapter where he talks about this cheap grace? Sure. It says, uh, cheap grace is the deadly enemy of our church. Cheap grace means grace sold on the market like cheap jacks wares. The sacraments, the forgiveness of sin are thrown away at cut prices. Grace is represented as the church's inexhaustible treasury from which she showers blessings with generous hands without asking questions or fixing limits. Grace without price, grace without cost. In such a church, the world finds a cheap covering for its sins. No contrition is required, still less any real desire to be delivered from sin. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ, living and incarnate. That's evangelism. That's how we introduce Jesus. We introduce Jesus as a person who is God, who is our Savior, who can forgive us of our sins, take away the blight of our past. But as we come to him, we don't only come to receive, we come to change. To share, to introduce people to Jesus Christ and do so properly takes courage. The courage that Jesus showed when he talked to the woman at the well and um, told her that um, she'd already had five husbands and was living with number six. He didn't ignore that sin. He wanted her to deal with it. Or Peter in Acts 2, when he um, introduced Christ to the people of Jerusalem again, and at the end told them that they had murdered him. And when they said, what can we do? He said, repent and be baptized. I think we need to be sounding more like Jesus at times when he warned his listeners in his famous Sermon on the Mount to take sin seriously. If your right eye causes you to stumble, he said, gouge it out, throw it away. It is better for you to lose part of your body than your whole body to go to hell. Was John the Baptist's ministry successful in a personal sense? He, he set out to do something and he did it. He set out to share the gospel, to tell people about Jesus Christ, and he did it. To the point that he was willing to wear those weird clothes. He was willing to eat locusts. He had a mission and he fulfilled it. So John the Baptist had one of the most effective ministries in the Bible. He was also had one of the most courageous ministries in the Bible where he was willing not just to introduce Jesus, but to call people to respond. Yes, when we introduce Christ, we state his name, announce the topic, remind the audience why it's important, establish his qualifications. But then like John the Baptist, 
I think we have to have the courage that he showed to call people not just to add Jesus to their lives, but to become holy as he is holy, to genuinely repent of the sin they want forgiven. How should we introduce people to Jesus? We should explain grace, but also give a clear call for repentance. I trust that today's discussion of God's word has been helpful and served as an encouragement to not just be hearers of the word, but doers. Together, let's bring God's word to life, to our lives this week. The Crosstalk Podcast is a production of Crosstalk Global, equipping biblical communicators so every culture hears God's voice. To find out more or to support the work of this ministry, please visit www.crosstalkglobal.org. You can also support this show by sharing it on social media and telling your friends. Tune in next Friday as we continue our discussion through the Gospel of Mark to discover Satan's strategy to destroy our lives. Interested? Be sure to join us.